hello and welcome to the self project podcast i'm your host christy martin and i am a life transformation and mindset coach who supports others on their life journey this show is all about rediscovering and reinventing who we are from wellness healing spirituality empowerment self-discovery sobriety parenting mental health energy intuition and so much more there's so many good things here for you so thank you for joining us today for your own self project journey I want to welcome to the show today, Kristen Lowerson. Kristen is the founder of Lighting the Shadows, and she is extremely passionate about helping those who face mental health battles and people experiencing grief because she has faced her own experiences that she is going to share with us. So she firmly believes that tools are available for all people to utilize to improve their mental state. And no matter how difficult a mental illness might be, there's always hope. And I think that that's such a beautiful message and that she is bringing awareness to something that is so important. And I think something that some of us are maybe dealing with a little bit extra right now with COVID going on and the isolation and quarantine. I know with myself, my anxiety has really, really popped up for me. Um, And I know that there's a lot of other people out there who are experiencing this a little bit extra as well. So I think that this podcast is really going to be great timing and that Kristen's going to be able to give us some really, um, just some really great insight and inspiration today. So Kristen, before I start talking all morning long, do you mind just telling us more about yourself and just sharing more of your story with us? Yeah, of course. Um, So I feel like that's such a loaded question. (laughs) It's like, where do I even start? (laughs) Um, Yeah, but I am a young mom. I have two beautiful kiddos. Of course, I'm biased, but I have a little five-year-old girl who I'm currently homeschooling right now. She's um, in kindergarten. So my days are all about, you know, learning to read and write. And it's been really fun, actually. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. And then I have a little boy who will be 18 months on Christmas Day. So I think it's the best birthday to have. Have your half birthday be on Christmas. Um, I a little bit about me just on kind of surface level and then we'll dive in. Um, so I play the violin. I play the I'm, I love music. I write music. Um, I might even share a song with you today, depending on like time and everything. But I love to express myself through music and poetry. Um Also, let's see, I'm a dental hygienist, but I'm currently not practicing um, where I'm homeschooling my daughter this year. And let's see, I've been married to my husband for about nine and a half years, and we're just living in Southern Oregon, loving it here. It's it's beautiful. Um, And that's just me kind of in a nutshell. But of course, on the other side, (laughs) let's delve a little deeper. And what's my story? What is you know, and, and I feel like that does kind of define me in a way. Um, and when you introduced me at the beginning, you, we talked about, you talked about hope and how I believe that 
nobody is exempt from hope. And I feel that very strongly because I think in my, in my journey, I was convinced that I was exempt from hope um, at different times in my life. And I was so convinced of that, that going through my healing process, now I just want to like scream it to the world. Like there is hope for everybody because if I can improve from where I was, like, I just wish I could paint a picture and I'll try to do that today with words, but I wish people could truly see how low I was and how how big of a struggle I had, um, and the thoughts and feelings I was having and the shame and the insecurities and the doubt. And then I I just wish I could compare that Kristen to the Kristen I am today. And I think if people were to truly see that they would be like, Oh my gosh, like if she can change from that to this, like I can change, like there's hope for me. So that is a message that I try to get across every time I share my story and every time on my own podcast is just that there is hope. There's hope for everybody. And I think that that is like one of depression's biggest liars or biggest, biggest lie. (laughs) It's one of depression's biggest lie is that you are exempt from hope and you are exempt from positive change. And you know, depression loves victimization. It loves for people to say, well, yeah, that's good and great for this person. But for me, no, like I've had all this crap happen to me in my life. I'm struggling with this and this and this, and there's no way I can get better. Like there's no way I can change. And I've experienced that on a very personal level. Um, going throughout my life, I, I struggled with like anxiety. I struggled with depression. I struggled. It it kind of came and went in waves for me. Like it wasn't, it wasn't all of a sudden, like, bam, I'm struggling with severe depression. It was like, I kind of started in junior high. I think a lot of people in junior high, it's just like an awkward stage of life. And a lot of us struggle with insecurities and really asking the question, like, who am I? And trying to figure out our identities. And so I struggled with that in junior high. And then it just kind of ebbed and flowed. Um, And I just didn't really know who I was. And I think that for me, that was a big part of my mental struggle. It was the question, who am I? And really depression I like to separate myself from depression because before I feel like I got so confused with who I was and identity that I felt like I was depression. And so now I like to separate myself and I I like to tell listeners, you know, to separate yourself. Your identity is not depression. You are not depression. You are not anxiety. You are not mental illness. It's, it's as silly as saying, like, if somebody had diabetes, I'm diabetes, like, oh, I'm heart disease. Like it, it's as silly as doing that. But I think when depression and mental illness is so confusing and there's so many factors, it's really confusing and hard not to say it's a part of your identity, but it's just, it's just not, you are not depression. You are not anxiety. Um, but when I was struggling with that, in junior high and then in high school and then in college, like I remember just praying and praying 
you know, help me to just find out who I am. Help me to like have more confidence. Like I just wanted more confidence and I wanted to feel more comfortable in my skin and I just didn't. And, and that was the biggest lie of depression is just, it really, it made me believe that I was worthless, that I was hopeless, that I had no purpose, that I wasn't worth love, that my life was just like, it would be better if I were to just leave, like people would be better off without me here. And I was so convinced of that, that, that I struggled with suicidal ideation because, and it it didn't feel like, like, I know a lot of people say like, oh, suicide's a selfish choice. Well, it didn't feel that way. It felt like the best thing I could do for the people that I loved because I was so convinced that they would be better off without me and that I was just hurting everybody I was around because I saw the pain. Like I saw, I saw the pain in their eyes when they would look at me and I saw they knew I was struggling and it's hard when you love somebody that's struggling. But I took that as, you know, people would be better off without me here and my family would be better off and I'd be doing my my husband a favor, my, my parents a favor, but it's, it's just the lies of depression. Um, so when I was 22, I'm not 22, I was 25. (laughs) Um, my sister was 22. Um, but I was 25 years old. This was five years ago. That tells you my age, I guess. Um, I, so I grew up with, I'll back up a little bit. I grew up with three siblings and I'm very, very close to all my siblings. I have an older brother, a younger brother, and then a younger sister. And my sister was my best friend. She, she's one of those people that you, you look at and she's just full of sunshine, like just full of joy and just fun and witty. And just, I was, very, very shy, like more reserved growing up, um, sweet and quiet and just kind of to myself. And my sister was the polar opposite, but when we would get together, she would just make me laugh. Like no one else could make me laugh. And she would break down all of my walls in a split second. And I would find myself being this crazy, silly, like fun person when I was around her. And and she just had that effect on people. I don't think she even realized that she did, but she did. She just had this beautiful way of breaking down barriers and helping people open up. And so she struggled with, with mental illness. And I didn't even know, I wasn't even aware of it until I was in college and she had been struggling since she was a very young child, um, even with suicidal ideation. And I had no idea um, so when I found out I was shocked cause she was just one of those people that just seemed very, very happy and put together. And, and so we would have conversations and talk about, you know, her battles and I would relate as much as I could. But at that point in my life, I hadn't struggled with suicidal ideation. I, I hadn't struggled with severe depression. It was just the insecurities, the self-doubt, the anxiety that I talked about earlier, but Um, it was hard to see her struggle and she was, she was struggling with, you know, self-esteem and she would cut and, um, eating disorders and just really, really, really hard 
for me to see her as her sister who loved her so much, see her struggle like that. Um, little did I know it helped, it helped me later on when I was struggling with, you know, similar things to realize like, okay, like that was a part of my healing process is, is seeing her being able to realize, okay, like I know that's not her. So, you know, maybe this isn't me, but watching her struggle was so hard. And I knew that she had struggled with suicidal ideation. And, um, I was 25 when I got the call that she had taken her own life. And I remember that time very vividly. Um, I got a call from my dad who was actually in the airport and my, my dad's so strong. I never see him cry. And he was just sobbing and in a public place, just absolutely sobbing. And I knew the moment that I heard him sob what had happened. And, and my daughter was only eight months old. Um, and it was a really, it was a really hard time. It was you talk, we talk about identity. When you lose somebody that's so close to you, it feels like you lose a piece of who you are. And that's how it felt like for me. I felt like I lost a piece of my identity with her. You know, that fun, silly person that she would bring out in me, like that person was dead. And not only did I have to figure out how to mourn her loss, I had to figure out how to mourn the loss of, of my identity and that part of me. Um, and so that was really, really challenging, but my therapy was songwriting and it was poetry writing. And I share some of that, more of that on my podcast, but it it was really helpful for me to just delve into that. Um, and it took about a year of every single, every single night, just crying and trying to process until I felt like I had processed her death. Um, but there were other things that happened since then. It didn't stop. <laughs> my story does not. I mean, of course, our stories never end. But my mental health struggle continued to get worse after I pa- after I lost my sister. Um, I feel like that was a, a bit of a turning point for me. It opened my mind creatively in a way where I was able to get a lot of thoughts and feelings down on paper. But my battle with identity just got more challenging Um, because all of a sudden, like here I am, young mom, young wife. I lost my sister, my best friend. And I was still before that struggling with identity issues. And now it was magnified. Um, And so I, I continue to struggle with this. Who am I? And and a lot of self-doubt as a mother, you know, you bring in another child who's perfect and who needs your constant attention and love. And at, at eight, nine months old, it was hard for me to completely give that when I, at the same time I was struggling with grief and, and everything. And, and so, yeah, like my battle continued. Um, and I had a lot of support where we were living at that time because we were living close to family, but my husband graduated, um, pharmacy school and had to do a residency. So we moved to Arizona about a year or so after a couple years after my sister's death. And 
that was when I really, really started to struggle because my family was such a part of my identity and, and moving away for the first time with my little family, it was like, oh, I didn't have that support from my, my sweet mom. I didn't have the support from my mother-in-law and my sister-in-laws. And it was like, you know, here I am with all my insecurities and I'm thrown into a new area with new people that don't know me. And I didn't have that security blanket of family. And I really continued to struggle with that question. Who am I? And depression really tried to make me believe that I was crap, (laughs) that I wasn't, I wasn't worth anything. And so that was in, while we lived in Arizona for my husband's residency, that was when I really started to struggle, um, even more so. And luckily I was able to find some help. I went to a doctor, got on some antidepressants that really helped. I learned some things in my spiritual, my spiritual journey that helped me. Um, and I got better. I made it through that time period, but then my husband got another year residency and we had to pick up and move again. (laughs) And then we wanted another kid. So I got pregnant and I wanted to get off the antidepressants. So I got off my medication and about six months into my pregnancy, I was, I was happy. I felt really good about six months in all of a sudden everything returned except for way worse. And I couldn't sleep. I couldn't I went probably a couple months without really getting a a good night's sleep, um, maybe three or four months. And it it just got worse every day. Um, It got to the point that I couldn't, I would pace around the kitchen floor trying to make a meal for myself. And I couldn't even think of anything. Like my mind was just not functioning. Um, And that is when psychosis started to occur. And to explain psychosis, to somebody that has never heard of the term or experienced it, it's basically hell on earth. <laughs> I lost sense of reality. Um, I, again, I, the shame was just so magnified. I felt like, how terrible am I that I'm experiencing this pregnant? I was about six, six months pregnant when it started to hit and, you know, continually got worse until I was about eight months pregnant and I had to be hospitalized because I had made plans to take my own life after, right after I had my son. Um, and I, I would tell people that I was very open about that. And, and looking back at that person that I was during that time, it really was not me. Um, and that's the thing with psychosis is my brain lost sense of reality. Um, I think a bit of it is genetic. I think a bit of it is a lot of it is lack of sleep. You know, our minds are not meant to function with four months of no sleep. I think that's why a lot of people struggle with postpartum um, because you have this brand new baby and you're not sleeping and your body needs to recover. Your mind needs to recover. Um, And it just gets to the point that you, you can't focus and you can't think rationally. And so I, I had all these fears, paranoia. I was convinced that, you know, my, my kids would be taken away from me. But then at the same time, I felt like that would be better for them because I was so terrible. It was like this mix of like terrible fears of, well, this is not what I want. Like, I don't want to end up in the, 
you know, hospital. I don't want to be away from my kids, but then like, I don't know. I, it's so hard to explain just so many deep, deep emotions and combine that with paranoia and loss of reality. And it's the scariest place you can imagine. And luckily in the hospital, the hospital was a, an interesting experience for me being very, very paranoid um, and convinced that all the people there that were there to really help me were there to hurt me. Um, it was just a scary, scary time. But thankfully, I was able to get on medication again. I really fought that. I didn't want it while I was pregnant. Um, but but since that, I have found antidepressants. Um, I do an episode of this um, about antidepressants and during pregnancy. And, and they're actually studies have shown that, um, depression, anxiety, psychosis can be a lot more detrimental to the fetus than an antidepressant. And I wish I would have really understood that when I was pregnant because it might've helped prevent my psychosis just being on an antidepressant because that's been very effective for me, but I was able to get back on antidepressants. And I also experienced, um, some spiritual help, um, I, at the time in my paranoia was convinced I was going to hell, was convinced I was the worst person ever that God rejected me and didn't love me. And, and I learned through that time that God is love and that, that he loves us all per- perfectly. Um, I learned that for me in my own spiritual journey. And I had to, I had to redefine who he was, um, in my mind. He's for me viewing him as a condemning God, which is really how I viewed him in my, in my battle. Um, it made things so much worse because it just confirmed to me that my identity, I was so broken and I was so past hope, but realizing that, that no, like he loved me as I was and all my pain and all my struggle and he could help me, you know, become more than what I felt I was. Um, and redefining him was a huge part in all of this, you know, getting through and past my, my period of psychosis along with sleep and <laughs> antidepressants and, and everything else. But, um, yeah, so that's just a, a little glimpse in my story and a little bit of my recovery, um, a little bit of the things that I've learned through it all. Um, and then I am where I am today. I was convinced that my son would be this little demon child (laughs) because of my struggle when I was pregnant and he's an angel. He's just wonderful. He's such a blessing and I'm so happy. I'm genuinely happy. Um, of course I'm, it's not perfect and I have my ups and downs, but I, I feel myself again. And when I was depressed, I didn't feel myself. Um, And I didn't even know who that was, (laughs) but it's like through my healing and through my journey, I've discovered that that person that I am is, is worth love. And I do have purpose and big part of what my purpose is comes from my struggle because now I want to be a voice of hope. I want to help people see that they are not broken, that they can recover, that they can change for the better because now I know that. And in my sister's suicide note, she put, I don't want to live 80 years and be this person. And I don't want to get to the end of my life and have this struggle for my entire life. And that's 
that's kind of how I felt when I was battling suicidal thoughts. It was like, I don't want to do this to my kids forever. You know, like, I don't want to be this person who can't get out of bed and who can't make a meal for their child. And I don't want to be this person forever. Um, it's not fair to my family. It's not fair to people around me. But now looking back, I realized that was just a glimpse in my story. It's just a glimpse in my life. And that's not who I am. And I wish I could have told my sister that. I mean, I tried, but I wish she could have believed it. You know, I wish she could have seen that. I think hindsight is a beautiful thing. Um, living longer and looking back and realizing, okay, when I thought things were just the worst, like that was just a piece of my life and that wasn't who I was. And now I am where I am and I'm happy. Um, so that's the gift I wish I could give everybody struggling with mental health is that it's not definitive. It's not forever that there are things that people can do to get better, to progress, to overcome. And that there's always hope. Um, everybody's tools are a little different. And that's why on my podcast, I hope to provide many different angles to mental illness and, and try and show people, you know, this is, hopefully I can reach people in a variety of ways because we're all different and we all need different things. But, but I believe that there's, there's help and hope for everybody. That's beautiful. And I just have to say, thank you for sharing your story so openly with us. Um, I have, I made so many notes here to like touch on. Um, I resonate so much with your story while my, you know, details and situation are different. Just those feelings of um, like, I myself went through battle with alcoholism and it started when my youngest was about two or three. And um you know, just your feelings of talking about like, who am I? That's, that's really where I found myself in that space. I had gone through a career loss from being a nurse to like stay at home mom, which was my dream, but I had no idea that losing of that identity and that label was going to like losing a piece of me. So um, I, again, too, fell into this depression. I've had suicidal ideation. I had times where I told my husband, if you leave for work today, I'm going to kill myself. Like just stuff like that. Like it, I literally felt out of my mind sometimes, like what's going on with me? Like, I'm just, everybody around me suffering because of me. Like it was, it was terrible. So when you say like, if I can change, if you could see me then, and I can change, um, you can do it too. That's exactly how I feel. Like if you guys could have seen me at my lowest and the thoughts that I was having and the things that I was doing and, you know, um, so I just completely resonate with your story that, yeah, it's a chapter of your life. It's a hard chapter to walk through, but that's not your story. That's not your identity. That's, yeah. that's a piece of you. It's a piece yes. of you. Yep just a piece of your story has, has nothing to do with who you are. And that's again, depression's biggest lie <laughs> that you are depression. Well, you're not, <laughs> you're so much more. <laughs> I know. And I got to touch on something too. When you talked about separating your identity, my youngest also, he's eight now and he has ADHD. He's been diagnosed with that. Mm -hmm. And we've been dealing with this since he went into kindergarten into school, we had to start um, doing all the testing for that and get him on an IEP so that he would have accommodations in school and, you know, all of those things. So unfortunately during that process and 
you know, with him trying to understand why he was having to do all these things and why he was always getting in trouble. And he heavily identified himself with ADHD. Like he mm-hmm. labels himself, you know, when he's having an issue at something, his immediate, well, it's because I have ADHD. Mm-hmm. So it's been this process of trying to teach him, you aren't ADHD. Yeah. Like you, do you have it? I mean, yeah, you got some extra energy and we have some extra strategies that we need to learn to help with your impulsiveness and things like that. But, oh man, even at his age at eight years old, trying to separate that you are not ADHD, you are not what's going on in your brain, like as a hard concept for him. Oh yeah. I can only imagine, you know, as a child, that would be really, really difficult. And again, like it is, it has helped me so much to like depression is real, right? Like ADHD is real. It's a real problem. You can't say that you don't have it when you have it. Like that would be in denial. That would be, you're not speaking the truth, you know, (laughs) but, but for me talking about depression, like almost giving depression an identity of itself, like you know, depression tells me to do this. And, but I know that this is, this is the right thing to do and separating. Yeah. Like depression is like almost like a, an individual (laughs) ADHD can be almost its own individual, you know, and like saying, okay, well, this is what ADHD is doing, but, but what can we do to, to get, you know, to do this? Um, I think that helped me a lot to, to see it as not a part of my identity, but like its own identity, something that impacted me, but something that didn't have to control me. What a great tip as yeah, giving it its own separate identity. Okay. That's ADHD. He's, you know, coming into the picture right now, but that you're not that, like, how can we, how can we tell ADHD? Like, Hey, (laughs) yep. And like, like painting a picture too, like, you know, ADHD could be like this big fuzzy green monster or like a, not even a monster, like a fuzzy, you know, like something that's not threatening, like, or like a frog or I don't know, just something like depression. Sometimes I, I have a counselor I've worked with in the past. It's like, you can think of depression or anxiety as like that annoying aunt, like <laughs> this, this annoying aunt Marge that's coming to town. And she's saying, you know, like, oh, well, you want to stay in bed and you don't want to get up and you're worthless and all these annoying things. And then you think, okay, well, that's just annoying at Marge. That's just getting on my nerves and I don't have to listen to her, you know? Um, yeah. So that's helped me a lot with my own battle of separating it from my identity. What a great tip. I feel like I'm going to do that. Like I said, I've been struggling with some anxiety lately. That's a great thing that I'm going to try that with my own anxiety. Okay. Anxious. Annie or whoever has shown up now, you annoy me. What's going on with you? Yep. And that's not me. I'm not anxiety. I'm not fear. You know, it's just, it's just an emotion that's trying to overpower what I'm doing right now. And, and that's not, not who I am. And I, I can manage it, you know, in different ways. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I love, I love interviewing people, um, probably more than like talking myself, (laughs) but, but yeah, I interview this amazing. She's great. She is a pharmacist that works directly with, 
um, patients that struggle with mental illness. So she has like resources and things that she shared in the episode that I found really helpful. I was like, man, I wish I had this when I was struggling while pregnant. So, but it's beautiful now that you wish that you had that. And so now you're creating it for others. Yeah. I think that that's like, that's beautiful that we look back on, like, this is what we wish we had during our journey, or this is a gap that we saw. And so we're just going to create it. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Thank goodness for podcasting. (laughs) I would love to just tell us like, how are you working with other people? You have your podcast. Do you also have, um, you also have a website, right? Yeah. So I have a, I have a couple social media pages, um, on Instagram, it's lighting the shadows. And then I have a page on Facebook called lighting the shadows. Um, and so, yeah, people can connect with me on social media and then just my podcast. So everything will be linked in show notes. Um, and then you also said, I, I wrote this down that you might have a poetry or a song for us. Yeah. So I was thinking, and I hope that my voice doesn't crack when I sing this because it's very early. So we might have to do a couple takes. I don't know. (laughs) But this song, I just, since we're talking about identity, this song I wrote in 2012, my sister passed away in 2015. So this was even three years before she passed away. And I wrote it thinking about my identity And it just kind of paints a picture of where I was um, even before I was struggling with severe depression, but just the identity battle that I had, um, not knowing really who I was and not liking who I was. Um, So it's a bit of a depressing song, but I just feel like hopefully people can relate if they're in that place, you know, and it kind of paints that picture. So Okay, so this song is called Me. Who is this girl whose face in the mirror I see mocking my world? And giving me no choice but to be me Lonely, insecure me This person I am Is not who I wanna be I've fallen so many times Can't seem to land back on my feet Bruised and bloody and worthless Weak and frightened and helpless With fear in my soul Where am I supposed to go? Can't stand up for myself My knees have begun to bow They're about to break and bring me down where I'm already lying on the cold and hard ground no one here to be found can't make a sound where oh where is the faith I once had and who I was 
and be proud of who I am. <clears throat> I can move on and find that girl I once was that could still be inside of me. Where could she be? Where, where is the light? I'm too consumed in the dark to see. Where is the strength? When I'm feeling so very weak, I hope more than anything I can overcome these demons that live, live inside of me. Don't know where they came from, but someday, somehow I'll find a way to land back on my feet, accept the person I am. I will find my way through this whirlwind of nothing less than more than emptiness. I will find my way, have to find a way to be me. Oh my God. Um, congratulations. You're the first person to make me cry on podcast interview. Oh. <laughs> person that was beautiful. 100% beautiful. <laughs> I didn't warm up my voice. So I was like, oh, it's going to crack. It's going to crack. <laughs> um, thank you so much. That was so special. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, of course. I hope that you do you like put your music out there. Do you publish or like have a YouTube or anything? I haven't. I don't have a YouTube. I've shared a couple of songs on one of my episodes of the podcast, but I, I don't. I actually... I'd only written that song and one other before my sister passed away. And then, like I said, that was my therapy when she passed away. So I wrote about like 20 songs in that following year and like 25 poems. That was just the way that I processed and it kind of opened this creative side of me. My sister was very creative. She was a part of a band and um, beautiful, beautiful voice. And I loved to sing with her. It was like one of my favorite things to do with her. So I feel like, I don't know, I struggled a lot with like, oh, my stuff isn't good enough. Like my voice isn't good enough. I don't want to like put it out there, or share it. But she told me something the year before she passed away. Um, I mean, it wasn't even a year before she passed away, but she was also like in this very creative place. And she was like, you know, Kristen, creating something is better than not creating anything at all. You know, just putting something out there, putting something down on paper even if you don't think it's good enough or you don't think it's, you know, worth other people listening to or whatever, creating something is better than not creating anything at all. So that really hit me hard, um, especially after she passed away. I just kept thinking about that. And, and so it kind of helped me to open my mind creatively and, and, you know, write things. <laughs> so it's been, it's been fun. It's been um, a good way for me to process I love that. So it's been like music was a tool for you, a huge tool for you, you would say. Yeah. Yeah. Music, poetry. Well, I have to say it's beautiful. So um, keep doing that. And so just tell us, you told us where we could connect with you online. So 
Is there anything that you want to add as we um, kind of close out anything we didn't touch on that you had wanted to talk about? I think those are the main, the main things, you know, preparing for this podcast, the message I really just wanted to get across is what we've been saying throughout the episode, just that it's not about your identity, that you're so much more than, than what you're experiencing. And, um, yeah, the, the spirituality journey has been great for me. I, I'm very passionate about spirituality, but I'm also very passionate about the idea that, spirituality is very individual and, you know, everybody has their own spiritual journey. It's not going to look like anybody else's. And so on my next season of my, my podcast, I'm planning on just focusing on spirituality and interviewing people of all different faiths and beliefs and, um, just kind of get down to like, what is it that, that brings people hope? Um, for me, I'm Christian. And so, you know, having, having hope and faith in Jesus Christ has been huge, um, kind of learning again, who he is and who God is and that that's love, um, and not condemnation and, and trying to like really study God's nature has helped me, um, immensely realize like, okay, well, who am I then? And how does he see me? And even though I've been so low and in this dark place, like he, he sees me in, in the eyes of perfect love, Um, so that has been huge for my recovery and I'm excited to delve into other people's experiences. Um, cause I know that there's so much I can learn from their experiences across the board of religion or non-religion and spirituality and what that means to people. So, so yeah, I, I, mental illness, it's mental health. Mental health is so diverse. It's so multidimensional. Um, there's ways that we can all relate to one another and there's truths that I think are almost universal, but also, you know, if you haven't found the tools that work for you yet to recover and to get better, don't give up. There's so many different aspects out there. Um, you know, if you haven't found the right medication, keep trying. There's, I, I was on medication that made things worse. Um, and it's just kind of been a trial and error kind of thing. And just don't give up on getting better and finding tools for yourself. I think, you know, that's something I'd love to leave with people. Just, just keep going, (laughs) persevere. Don't give up. Things will get better. You just have to find the right tools for you. It comes back to your message. Nobody's exempt from hope. So don't, don't give that up. Don't give it up. Your journey's not, your journey's not over. No, it's not. (laughs) It's not. I felt like that for a really long time, but mine wasn't over. Yours wasn't over. It's not now. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And here we are. So just take that, that if you're in the space where we were and um, your journey's not over. Yes. And look back and say, oh, yeah, I realize now that's not, that wasn't me. That was just a a piece of my story. And wow, like I, I almost look at my struggle as a blessing in a way because I've learned so many lessons that I know I wouldn't learn otherwise. And it's, it's, I have empathy that I wouldn't have otherwise, you know, I understand my sister even more like, well, I've been there, you know, I, I don't hold it against her in any way. I, I've been there in a sense. And so just understanding her and where she was a little better too. And like, wow, like she fought hard, you know, and, and it just gives me a little more insight and compassion to, to other people. Um, 
but in the midst of it, there's no way I thought that it could ever be a blessing or like a, a lesson for good. I just thought it was all bad. It felt all bad. Um, so yeah, it did. So yeah, it's hard to see when you're going through anything beyond, um, it's kind of tunnel vision. I almost say it's like, you can't see beyond what you have right in front of you is how I felt like. Yeah. Like you're in, you're in a dark tunnel. You can't see the light where we have gone through the tunnel and we're now in the light looking back and just, we want to help people in the tunnel. (laughs) There is a light. There is light. Yeah. I see it as like, we're shining flashlights in there. Like, yes. Like, Hey, yes. Don't stay where you are. It's, you don't have to stay there. (laughs) Just one foot in front of another. Kristen, I have to thank you so much for this conversation today. This was beautiful. And the song that you gave us, like this, this was amazing. I have to thank you for giving your time again to be here and to share with us. Of course. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me today for the Self Project Podcast. I hope that you were able to find something useful or inspirational to take away with you today. So come and connect with me over on Instagram. It's at underscore Christy Martin. And let me know what you want to hear more of. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. And I will see you next time.